Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. On tonight's episode, we're going to be finally uh, going over the Baratheons uh, for the 2021 update. This will be a one-of-three-part uh, show where, um, you know, we're going to be going, kind of taking a deep dive into the Baratheon faction. So because the Baratheons are such large of a faction when you've you know, when you take into consideration, you got uh, Renly's side and Stannis' side, and uh, you know, not uh, really realizing until um, kind of screenshotting a lot of this stuff for the show. Um, I think they had the least amount shown on uh, the visions, uh, if I'm correct. They only had like two units, one NCU, one attachment, and two commanders shown. So. Uh, with that said, uh, you know, all three episodes, I think, are going to be kind of uh, jam-packed with uh, content. So because of that, uh, we're going to do our best to uh, – we might have to stop somewhere kind of in between. So tonight, we're going to try all the units and all the NCUs, um, but we might have to stop somewhere in the middle of the NCUs. But we'll see how fast we can kind of get through some of these Um and then if we're lucky and somehow we can get through it really quick, we'll we'll maybe start in on some of the attachments. But, uh, you know, so we'll kind of more so play it by ear than usual um, just to make sure that we can fit all the content in three episodes. Um, with that said, uh, I want to thank uh, my co-hosts so much for coming on tonight. We have with us Justin and Spencer. Thank you guys uh, for coming on. No problem. Yep. Are uh, you guys there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, you're can you hear up, me? Spencer. Um, Justin, how about you? Mm, I'm talking. I can hear Justin. Yeah, uh, I'm speaking. You can hear me just um, fine? Yeah, I can hear Spencer. All right, so sounds like uh, their audio is having a little bit of difficulty, uh, but uh, we'll get back to them in a second there. Um, you know, so first off, you know, we're just going to kind of jump into the units. Um, first unit that we're going to talk about is the Dragonstone Noble. Um, just give me a second to pull him up here. Uh, the Dragonstone Noble is interesting. Um, I definitely like kind of what they've done with them. Uh, I mean, not a whole lot has changed, if I recall. Um, Let's see. All right. So for the Dragonstone Noble, we have, uh, he is, I want to say, you know, I I really should... uh, look up the point cost a little bit better here. Uh, they always kind of throw me for a loop. So the Dragonstone Noble, okay, yeah. So he's four points. Uh, we're looking at a four-inch movement, a three-up to hit with three dice, uh two-up save, and a three-up morale. He has the order Sentinel. After another friendly unit in long range is attacked, this unit performs one charge or maneuver action. If charging, it must target the attacker. 
He has the innate ability of a solo rider, which gives him three wounds, and at the start of his uh, activation, he can perform one maneuver or retreat action, and he also has the Noble's Wrath, giving him Sundering and plus two hits for each wound uh, this unit has suffered. So, you know, granted, you know, it's only three wounds, uh, so anything doing auto wounds is really going to kind of try to capitalize and get rid of him fast, but that two-up save means that um, it's going to be a lot tougher than uh, most people think if you're just going the, you know, the normal route of throwing some dice at him. Uh, and then you run the risk of kind of like the Giants, where if you leave him lingering with only one wound, um, now he's throwing three hits on three up with four auto hits, all of it being sundering. So he could be kind of, you know, a cruise missile, especially if you run him in such a way where, uh, you know, he, uh, you can self-deal yourself some damage uh, to ensure that uh, that happens. Um, so, all right, let's see here. Um, Justin, uh, can you hear me now? Uh, yep. Sound, oh. sound good there. How about you, Spencer? Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Awesome. Uh, glad that's fixed. Uh, I don't know what happened there. That was kind of kind of odd. Uh, maybe it could have even been my – maybe it was even my Internet. I don't know. But fortunately, it's all fixed. Uh, so we'll start off with you, Justin. What, uh, what's kind of your take here on uh, the Dragonstone Noble? The first thing that really stands out to me is the fact that he can do a free retreat action uh, when he activates, which is, as far as I'm aware, unique to him, right? Like nobody else can. Uh, I believe Jorah has it as well. Mormont. Oh, the solo? Yeah. yeah. I suppose that makes sense. I think That's he cool. does. I'm not 100% about that one. So it gives solos a little, uh, like, well, these two solos, it definitely gives them a little unique advantage that can be very helpful to get those rerolls. Because he... Hitting on threes is great, uh, but it's far from guaranteed. Uh, rerolls really help seal a deal, and especially if you if you're retreating, there's a good chance you took a wound or two, so uh, you can get some more damage. Uh, for four points, I think I don't know. I don't like the idea myself. Like I don't. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. Like I'm completely negating that part, but. I don't like having something that has three wounds because I'm gonna fail all my armor saves and I'm gonna cry about it. <laughs> it's just how it's gonna go. I'm gonna take three two up armor saves and <laughs> die. It's gonna be great. Uh, but that being said, I like the model a lot and I like the idea of him. Uh, something cheap that's at four points in case like you've got an elite army and you've already got attachments on stuff and you just have this weird point value. It can help fill the role. And there could be times where this is going to be very valuable. So I like him. I think he's pretty appropriate, probably. We'll see. A lot of auto-wound things are uh, far and few between now, so that's also good. Yeah, plus uh, even me, uh, not even just auto-wounds, but even things that are just auto-hits, you, you throw enough of those at him, you know, you might not kill him in the first try, but do it three times, you know, like the castle, like if you plop him on a... Um, objective for uh, honed and ready and you know just keep replacing the ability or the the zone to uh, keep shooting him with arrows you know he's bound to you know fail like one every uh, every roll especially if you can combine it with some vulnerable tokens uh, you know you could kill him pretty quickly um, 
though I, I guess, you know, you probably would only put them on there if, you know, you really had to. Um, but that two-up save, you know, that that is risky. Like, risky in the sense that, you know, it's kind of a toss-up, you know, whether or not, you know, it's a two-up. So you could just be passing all those auto hits uh, just left and right, or, you know, he could die, you know, kind of quickly. Uh, Spencer, what do you think? So I look at him and I go, he's situationally good. Um, if you put him in the right situation, he's great. I have personally used the Melisandre to, to auto-do two wounds to myself on a turn that I plan to actually fight, and I really messed up people. Um, when, when you're, okay, I'm going to charge in, do four auto-hits because I meld for two wounds to myself, and then I'm going to really hurt you. Um, so I have used stuff there. It's one thing the Baratheons kind of have is they have Stannis loyalty at least, and that since he's Stannis loyalty, he has to. Um, there are things in Stannis loyalty that do auto wounds, so you can kind of power him up when you want to, if you use him properly. Which for me has been uh, try and wait, maybe have him sit on objectives, but kind of wait for an opening. Um, has been the success. I struggle when I see two of these in a list, uh, like when I've tried, um, but they're really good for four points. Uh, make no mistake, I've seen them tank an entire Night's Watch crossbow shot um, without dying for somehow, and <laughs> they can be very good. Um, they are still only four points. They're fragile. Protect them as best you can, I, I would suggest. Um, but yeah, they're, they're actually a very nice four point solo unit. Yeah. And another thing, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but he does, like you were saying, he got, uh, has a couple really strong kind of goofy combos like him with Mel and, uh, um, what is it? Uh, what's his name? Davos running him with uh, Davos so that you can uh, use, what's it called, parlay. You know, when a friendly unit activates, this unit uh, cannot perform actions this turn, target one enemy in short range. It activates but does not perform any actions. If it targets, uh, obviously it's not Davos's unit, so you won't get the other part of it. But, uh, I mean, you're, you could take this four-point investment and... Uh, you know, shoot it past the person's line of sight. Uh, and then the next round, you know, activate them right away to then activate their big, you know, expensive unit um, to, you know, really get the or get the, the upper hand on that transaction. Uh, if I can jump in for a sec. Yeah. Uh, I would like to point out, you also do get your free maneuver before you try to do that tactic for Davos, because um, it is when you activate, and it is a free action to do your maneuver, so you do get kind of four inches, so you kind of have a 10-inch threat range with them to do that. Uh, I will also say I've kind of done this tactic with them where you do maybe take a turn beforehand if you're seeing the battlefield prop, you know, as best as you can, obviously, and I have taken maybe a turn two and been like, you know what, I'm just going to maneuver and march them into the side of an enemy because I have Sentinel. So if you want to attack something of mine, 
I now can get a free charge on you. It is very viable options you can do with this unit. And uh, for those that were thinking about that transac- uh, or transaction, that interaction, um, so because parlay is when you activate and so is your free maneuver, you'll, uh, you'll get to choose the order. So you, you would simply, when you activate, do your free maneuver, then throw parlay down and be like, okay, I'm playing this uh, when I'm you know in the same time window of the free maneuver uh, to be able to do that. But yeah, like you were saying, you can get to the flank of something uh, with your movement and now force your opponent to have to pivot towards you, uh, potentially exposing their flank, um, just to then throw a parlay next next round. Um, and then now they can't perform uh, any actions. So you can't give them free actions, you can't do anything. You can give them free so, actions with parlay. Parlay is just you put an activation token on them, so they lose their activation, but they can still do free actions. Oh, I see. Yeah, I just saw at the end it says uh, does not perform any actions. But yeah, it says it activates but does not perform any actions. So, yeah, I see. I see where it says that now. That'd be busted um, otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Here's four half and half hand, hand for free, or for yeah. a card, a Texas card. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, either way, I uh, just wanted to mention that interaction because uh, we're probably not going to get the do- uh, commanders until uh, part three of the series. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a great interaction with him, um, and you know, kind of a, a little upside to bringing Davos, as we'll get to when we talk about commanders. Davos is a little on the lower side for commanders, but he has some pretty cool, tricky uh, um, uh, things you can do with him. That being one of them. Uh, next up, we have the, let's see, we'll go with the Brathian Wardens. They are a five-point unit, four-up uh, move. They're four-up to hit with six, five, four. Three-up armor save, six-up morale. They have Warhammer, which is if the defender rolls any ones uh, on their defense dice, after this attack is completed, they become weakened. And then they have Counter-Strike. Each time this unit is attacked with a melee attack, for each miss, the attacker suffers one hit. So, uh, in my opinion, these guys got way better than they were before. Um, I mean, oddly enough, I I find it just kind of weird that they have Counter-Strike. It just doesn't seem like, I don't know, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me like these guys are in you know about as armored as you can be in this game uh and you know they have an ability that's supposed to be for someone who's like fast moving or fast reaction you know you're you're counter-striking your opponent it just kind of feels off to me i don't know um i almost you know i i liked their uh thematically i liked their old abilities better um, but as, as I had said, I think they're way better than, uh, than they were. So it's kind of a, a lateral change if you, if you factor like what, in my opinion, makes sense along with, you know, uh, how effective they are. But these guys are, I think, uh, point for point, uh, you can make an argument that they're the best five point unit in the game across any faction because Counter-Strike is just so powerful, especially with things, uh, a lot of things going from three up to hit to four up to hit. 
Justin, what do you think of the Wardens here? Uh, so I can wholeheartedly agree that they definitely seem to be better and that I don't understand Counter-Strike, but I'm cool with it. I like this unit a lot, both uh, aesthetically and on the tabletop. Um, I feel like an argument against them being the best is going to be that you can ignore them, but you can only ignore a unit so much until you do have to deal with it. And this is a unit that you're going to see a lot of, so it's kind of hard to ignore. You know, it's not, a, it's not like an elite unit that's slow. It's, it's chaff that's slow. So they're going to be plentiful, and they're going to be in your face at some point. There's probably no avoiding unless you're speedboat Targaryens. So, uh, yeah. I, like them a, I like them a lot. I think they work really well. Uh, they barely lost any offensive power. They literally just lost what one dice to everyone else's one to hit. <laughs> so it's <laughs> pretty significant. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good at these guys. They're my boys. Yeah, and you know it's it's crazy though. Uh, and we'll again get to kind of talk about this combo a bit later when we get to NCU's. But you know the fact you can run Alistair, uh, Florent, and Peter Baelish, and basically guarantee yourself a zone, uh, any one zone you want the entire game. Uh, and, you know, you run a bunch of, like, Stormcrow lieutenants in these guys. You know, when you control the wealth, uh, you will have Sundering and always the highest attack die. So you're looking at, uh, you know, 666 across the board, you know, with hitting on, I mean, it's only hitting on fours, but, I mean, it's got Sundering, and you're only paying six points for it. Uh, you're really, you know, you're turning this unit into a very versatile unit that, you know, you can't just ignore. I know you're only probably going to hit with three dice on average without re-rolls, and, you know, you're probably going to fail two of those depending on your armor. Um, but then, you know, it, they're really going to start to chip away, whereas I I don't think they would have, uh, you know, otherwise. Or you can just run them to five points and just kind of set them on objectives and wait for your opponent to try to come to you. Um Either way, uh, I think these guys are amazing at five points. Uh, Spencer, what do you think about these guys? So I definitely agree they got better. And the scary thing is, is I think they were already in contention for one of the best five-point units, even in 1.6. Oh, yeah. They they got much better. I don't know if they are the best five points, but I definitely think they're a top three for five points in the game right now. Um, They do... Quite a bit. I have several lists where this is my command bunker, my commander's bunker, just because it's like I, it's so durable. You, I mean, yeah, an, an opponent's not going to chew through this unit in one activation. They're going to need multiple. Uh, I know they move the game moved away from one shotting units anyway. This unit definitely is going to take at least two from an elite unit, if not more, to go down. Uh, the counter strike gives some nice chip damage to go to supplement their mediocre, I guess, attack profile for for it. Uh, but it's still solid enough. You still go, hey, if my opponent rolls any ones, they're going to become weakened for when I attack. So it, it goes with Counter-Strike very nicely. A very good all-around unit. Yeah, and I know as me and you have kind of discussed, you know, 
uh, and this isn't a hard and fast rule, like you have to do it, but we've come to kind of realize that in a lot of missions and a lot of scenarios, uh, having your commander just be in a cheap five-point unit uh, that's super survivable uh, is, you know, it's it, uh, it really pays off because now in those missions where you have five objectives, you stick them on one of the, you know, one of the ones in the corner on your side, you know, in your case, like if you're running your commander in these wardens, you just kind of plop them over on this objective and you know, okay, I've only invested five points. And some some armies, you know, you could run like poor fellows and do it for Lannisters. Okay, okay, I've invested four points and now every round, two victory points, two victory points. And you're, you know, you send the brunt of your, uh, like the full force of your, your power of your list off to deal damage and contest objectives and, you know, kill things while you're just kind of sitting here with this bunker uh, of a commander unit getting you all these points. Uh, and that kind of lends to, I think, a lot of the Baratheon commanders, too, that also kind of lend to that defensive uh, play style. Or not necessarily play style, like the whole faction or army list has to play that way. But, I mean, they have a lot of awesome defensive abilities uh, that will be granted to their unit. Um, either whether it be Hardened or uh, Iron Resolve or something like that. Uh, but I think, yeah, these guys are great as a commander bunker, uh, a cheap five-point uh, investment, uh, so that way you don't have to risk your commander by throwing him into the fray, uh, while, you know, like I said, just kind of sit him on an objective, get those points. Uh, next up we have, let's, uh, we can talk about the champions of the stag. So they are eight points. They have a movement of four. They hit on threes with seven, five. Their defense is a two-up save with a six-up morale. They have the innate ability for cavalry, which gives them the three wounds per model. And then at the start of their activation, they get a free maneuver. And then they have Champion's Wrath. It gives them critical blow. And enemies successfully charged become weakened. So um, way better than their 10-point version, in my opinion. Obviously, they're weaker than their 10 point, but for obvious reasons, I mean, that's a two point drop. I mean, you, you can't really expect them to stay the same or like similar. But with that said, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have made the comparison with these guys and Flademan. I, I think, yes, on the overall scale and everything, you know, Flademan are better. But I think the champions are just good enough in certain areas that depending on your list, it's uh, you know, you're definitely going to want to take the champions over Flademan. And I would say more often than not, it's probably going to be, um, you know, if you have a lot of healing uh, and you're more so like Renly side, you're going to want to take the champions of the stack because healing the two-up save uh, unit, uh, any amount of wounds is, you know, a big deal. Uh Whereas if you're running Stannis side, Flayed Men are probably going to be your go-to just, you know, to kind of play into that vicious, uh, you got the intimidating presence and you kind of play into that whole scheme. Uh, and they're going to have less, uh, um, you know, less healing usually. Um, though, as we'll kind of get into, Renly, kind of, Renly side kind of lost a, a handful of its healing. So uh, there really isn't that much anymore, but... Um, 
So yeah, I think these guys are a great eight-point unit. Um, I think just sometimes they they seem a little overshadowed because of uh, Flademan's uh, utility. Uh, Spencer, we'll start with you this time. Uh, what what's your opinion here on the champions? So my experience with them at in the 2021 date is mixed. I've had some games where they because my personal look when I look at them is they're meant to be almost a roadblock unit of I am going to use them to block something of yours that I do not like and they hopefully are durable enough to withstand it for a while and maybe tie you up from even getting contesting an objective. Uh, That's how I've seen them. The problem I have with them is morale. Unfortunately, I have to bring it up. I know you can go, well, all the heavy cav, except for Tully cav, have a six-up morale anyway. This is the role I've envisioned for them, so maybe I'm just playing them differently or wrong. Uh, I've had the problem just of, you poke me for one damage, but it was a vicious hit, and now I'm taking D3 more wounds. And that's, I I quickly fall apart because I don't have the healing. Um, I've had mixed reviews, like I said, mixed games. I have had games where they're both bunkering, and when I get out timely Ours of the Fury, they hit hard. They can hit hard with Ours of the Fury. but I, I envision that the plan for them was to be this is the heavy cavalry of the game. It is meant to endure. Uh, and I find their six-up morale to be constraining for that end. However, again, I, I could just be not playing them as they were intended. I could be just having it completely wrong. That was just my interpretation. Uh, overall, they could be a good unit. It kind of depends on what you're fighting. Are you fighting... Greyjoys who have weak armor and you're like, okay, on the charge, I actually could really hurt a unit. Or are you facing another three-up armor, you know, group that just doesn't care? It, it's very, I feel, matchup dependent is how they go. Yeah, um, you know, that's definitely a great point that uh, if you're facing something that's like super heavy panic damage... Uh, the two-up save is not really going to save them a lot. You know, they're, you know, like you said, poke them for one, and especially if you're Lannisters and you can really push in a lot of that extra panic damage, you could really, you know, uh, hurt these guys bad and bypass their uh, armor. Uh, Justin, uh, thoughts, especially when, you know, a lot of people are comparing them to Flayed Men, which I know you have a lot of experience with. So, like, even Flademan just pump out significantly more damage because of the Vicious, and they have crit when they need crit. Uh, and then Intimidating Presence is just almost always going to be that extra one straight wound that it's going to pump out for you. Um, one thing I would... L- well, it's not really pointing out, but when you compare a 2-up save to a 3-up save, that's much more significant than comparing a 3-up save to a 4-up or a 4-up to a 5-up, because it's 100% more chances of failing at a 3-up save. So it's not, it's not the, like, yeah, it's still 17% more, but you're doubling the wounds. And so what Spencer said about the roadblock is, I mean, obviously that's that's the design behind these guys, right? Like, sustain combat. Flademan get crit on the charge. These guys get crit all the time. A weakened token helps them survive, but yeah, definitely panic is going to be what kills these guys. A six by no means is bad, but that also means when you fight, as you guys said, those panic armies, 
more often than not, significantly so, you're going to fail. Even if you're only being attacked by a vicious guy, your odds are more likely that you'll fail than pass. Uh, and then if you add intimidating presence, hear me roar, anything like that, then it's, it's just compounding it. Um, I wish that there were more Baratheon counters to, like, the panic, so you could throw these against some panic-based unit with a card in your hand knowing that you can survive the panic or something like that. Like, I've been doing that a lot in neutrals when I have the auto-pass if you're near your commander card. Uh, I'll I'll purposely toss myself into combat with a Lannister Guardman because I don't care about Lannister Supremacy for that round or whatever. Um, but as far as I'm aware, Spencer Dave, I don't really think Baratheons have anything to negate panic damage or stop it from failing. Um, they have Coast they have duty. one commander of uh, Stannis, uh, not the right player, one true king. He has iron resolve. Uh, the It won't help the uh, champions of stag, but also we have uh, the unfortunate stag knight noble who is, uh, we're not going to get into attachments, but he's not that optimal, I think, for them. Um, that's about it for Panic. The other thing I, I would like to kind of point out, in my opinion, when I think of Baratheon, I feel like they would have anti-Panic tech, but this is more of a personal idea. Well, yeah, um, they're brave and strong. Yeah, they're they're kind of the ones that are like, yeah, we don't run. We go until you kill us. Um, they're badgers. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they're <laughs> Arth the Fury. Well, but, uh, don't forget about uh, Oath of Duty. Um, minus one to oh, panic yeah. damage uh, is Well, you have to lose um, a unit before than... that activates, which is like, well, I lost yeah. a unit. And... Hopefully you're, you're not losing them first, though. <laughs> well, you could. <laughs> oh, I have you plenty could. of times. Oath of Duty, and that's the unit that dies first. Really? One thing I would highly recommend for like newer players is... Uh, it can be very, very tempting to take cavalry and overextend. More so than any other cavalry, this one is one you can't afford to overextend, I think. Yeah, I would have to you know, kind of agree there. You know, any newer players playing, you know, I would say any cavalry, no matter what, no matter how defensive and crazy strong they are, treat them as a support unit. Don't treat them as your, um, you know, your, you know, hammer, you know, to just run in there and start, you know, breaking things up because, uh, you know, it's kind of a, uh, kind of like a coin flip, you know, either you're going to actually do it or you're going to get bogged in there somehow and there's going to be some healing or they're just going to, you know, have a freakishly good, uh, defensive role. And then now you're stuck in there and then they play some maneuver card and now you're like, attacked on two different sides and uh you know especially if they can get like a flank charge with the sundering unit and now they're really going to start taking a lot of hurt so i would say you know targaryens obviously treat them like what they are oh yeah i mean you're playing all defensiveness yeah their defensiveness isn't uh all that great, so it's you, you kind of already expect that they're going to take a little damage on the return. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, especially if you add some uh, attachments in there, eight-plus point unit, we'll say, of cavalry, these heavy cav, you know, 
still try to treat them like a like a support unit or else you know or even i guess if you do throw them in there just try to throw them in maybe on a flank so that to minimize the amount of uh damage um or uh danger that they can be put in but yeah overall i love these guys i absolutely love their models they're amazing looking models uh and it's, I know some have uh, watched Sunday Slaughter's Battle Report that I did with uh, Chris when he was out in this area. I I spent like 12 straight hours painting a unit of these guys so that they could uh, be painted for the Battle Report just because how amazing they look. Um, but with that said, uh, we can kind of jump into the next unit here. Let's talk about do Rose Knights. So Rose Knights are seven points. They have a 4-inch move, a 3-up to hit with 7-5-4, a 3-up defense, and 6-up uh, uh, morale. Uh, they have pres uh, preservance, preser perseverance. I don't know if I... Perseverance. There you go. <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to read like three different words there. Uh, Perseverance and Valor. Each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, it restores one wound. And they also have Deadly Bloom. Uh, Deadly Bloom. Each time this unit restores wounds, one target enemy it is engaged with, uh, they suffer one wound. So, uh, I think they did an awesome job of changing these guys to be way less oppressive. Uh, they, they're you know they took away uh, I believe Dauntless is what they took away. So it was every time they pass morale tests they heal. So um, which the nice part is you can still give it to them. Uh, they have an attachment to give it to them, uh, a generic one for one point, and give them ignoring uh, dangerous, hindering, and rough. Uh, and then you can still run I believe Loris in them to give them Dauntless, uh, Loris Commander. Uh, so that you can still get your uh, 1.6 Rose Knights, but now you're just going to have to either have your commander in it, uh, Loris Commander, or run them at 8 points with the benefit of ignoring all those terrain keywords. And so I kind of like that compromise uh, that Simon did there. I like that they took away a big... Uh, part of the combo wheel that was just making them heal and deal so much combined with the fact that they did take away a, a handful of the healing overall within the faction but um, there still is plenty of healing uh, that you can do and like I said uh, run these guys at 8 points uh, and you can still get that uh, crazy combo that I'm sure everybody loves. <laughs> now, as a lot of people on TTS would say, I mean, you just kind of, you can just ignore them most of the time. Uh, obviously, there are some lists out there that people have run where they run like three of these units, uh, or at least 1.6, you know, when they had the Dauntless, that uh, it was, you couldn't really ignore it. And, you know, like I said, it could be pretty oppressive where when, you know, you just can't deal enough damage uh, and they're just simply killing you just by healing, let alone whatever attack dice they roll. So um, I, I like where these guys are at personally. I think you're probably not going to run more than one anymore. Uh, so a lot of people might not be happy with that. 
Um, and I can't really blame them. Uh, you know, I own three units of these guys, and I do really love how they look. Um, so the fact that I could, I can't really see myself running more than one unit of them uh, does, you know, it, it does kind of stink a little bit. Um, that's not to say that you can't run some competitive lists uh, with without uh or with more than one it's just i think on average these guys are going to be more of a either a command bunker for the renly side uh because he does this unit is a um a renly loyalty uh unit um or you know like i said even running him eight points with that uh the attachment uh i forget what it's called i think it's the thorn watch sentinel um is still i think really good um, I know Spencer probably kind of has a bit of a different opinion on this one, uh, so I'll go to you next, Spencer. What's uh, what's kind of your take on the Rose Knights here? So I agree they're less oppressive now by losing Dauntless. That's that's overall a good thing. Uh, where I differ is I feel this is a unit that can cause negative uh, negative play for opponents. I feel like the the you know, Deadly Bloom, unfortunately, in my opinion at least, is it punishes my opponent for playing the game by wanting to attack this unit, which, like you said, then the kind of tactic becomes, well, if I ignore it, I don't really have to deal with that. And if you only have one of them, it actually is pretty easy to ignore. Um, so it, I'm not a fan of Deadly Bloom. As it is, though, since they have it, it, it is nice. Uh, I actually could see running two of them just to try and make it hard for my opponent to ignore it. Because uh, that is kind of a thing. If your opponent is just... I, I've had games where my opponent successfully ignores the one I have. And then I'm just like, well, why didn't I just take a Warden unit for two points cheaper? And then I've also had games where my opponent keeps attacking, is only doing chip damage, I'm healing it back, and they're starting to get frustrated because they're just taking auto wounds back. So there is ways to that it is successful. I just don't like the negative experience that either I or my opponent tend to have in, in return. Um, as is, they are a good unit. They're, like David said, they're a good bunker unit for a commander. Uh, they're not easy to take down. So, yeah, you're going you're gonna to definitely get points. I like them personally with Elden because Elden's battle endurance takes them from a defensive unit to an all-round good unit. Um, Loris obviously is a good choice for him, which makes sense. Um, he gives them Dauntless again. Uh, you, you, you can do things with them. I just am not a fan of the, the Deadly Blue, personally. Yeah, and I think... Uh... I think uh like you're comparing the wardens here and I think that's that's a good point that uh comparing them it kind of sucks in the sense that you know wardens are like we said arguably top 3 5 point unit in the game whereas these guys are just of of like uh barely 7 points like they're a fair 7 point unit but they're really low on that 7 point totem pole in my opinion just be, and with that said, that doesn't leave a lot of gap, you know, because you're paying that two extra points for essentially plus one to hit and uh, one more die on full ranks. 
and then you're really just kind of swapping abilities. You know, that Counter-Strike and the, the weakening your opponent on a one for the healing and dealing abilities. So, um, you know, I definitely, I can't blame people that uh, compare the two and then just go, like you said, why not just run Wardens? Um, and that's just because of um, how little the gap kind of is. You're t- you know, like I said, you're taking one of the best five points, in my opinion, in the game and comparing it to just a decent, you know, seven-point unit. Um, so personally, I would like to see Deadly Boom go away, like you said, because the problem isn't necessarily about the healing. It's uh, it's about, you know, you're you're trading that many wounds. You know, if you heal one, deal one, that's a two-point or a two-wound swing between the unit. So I'd rather just see them get Dauntless back and take away Deadly Bloom and now just compound that healing uh, to make sure that they stay in that, uh, you know, higher uh, attack bracket. Um, I know Justin hasn't spoken yet, but if you don't mind me cutting in real quick. He might. Are you asking me? No, I don't mind. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're, you're such a... But, uh, yeah, um, I, I would agree. I, would, I wouldn't mind them getting Dauntless back. I would say they need something else though with it because Deadly Bloom is a very powerful ability and it is the reason to take them. But uh, even getting away from, like, wish listing, it's just... It's a difficult unit, in my opinion, to use well. It's slow. It doesn't have great morale, so it's another unit that I've seen get... Like, my opponent doesn't attack it. They just panic it to death so that I'm not healing, I'm not dealing. Uh, it, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage with that attack profile for seven points. There's better options. And... uh the other thing I wanted to point out is, like David said, you can put the Thornwatch Sentinel in there and give them back to Dauntless and ignore. You're going to notice a problem that I have in general with Baratheon list building. We're not going to talk about them, I don't think, tonight, and that is the Stag Knights. That is might be one of the best eight-point units in the game. And so if you make anything go to seven or to eight points, a seven-point unit, put an attachment in it to make it to eight points, you now have to question... Is this going to do a different role than a Stagnite, or is this going to be better than a Stagnite? And most of the time I go, if it's not a different role, it's not going to do better than a Stagnite. Yeah, and it's hard to, uh, you know, the Stagnites are just good at essentially everything. You know, you know that four up save, five up morale, but then having relentless. You know, and like you said, we're not going to talk about them just because uh, uh, nothing not has changed. Or resilience, sorry, yeah, resilience. And like you said, we're not going to talk about them just because they were, uh, um, or we won't deep dive into them just because they were in the visions and they haven't changed as far as we know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's another great point that we've talked about in the past that, you know, if you have a seven-point unit, putting even a one-point attachment, is that unit better than a stagnite? And the answer is almost always a no, uh, just because of how good they made stagnites. So with that said, they've made... Uh, Baratheons with arguably one of the best five-point and one of the best eight-point units in the game. And now it really constrains everything in between. You know, all those six-point and seven-point units are now really, you know, it's hard to justify 
attachments in them, uh, not necessarily so much on the six-point unit um, as far as putting an attachment, but a six-point unit without an attachment, you know, for example, uh, I'd rather just run wardens with a lieutenant if I know I can get that money bag most of the game over a sentinel unit. I know the sentinels have that, uh, you know, the sentinel order, but I mean, the wardens are just so much more defensible uh, and now hit almost as hard. You know, they just are losing like one attack die or something. Uh, so, and for the same point cost um, and extra abilities. Um, but yeah, so I think that's kind of where it comes down to with the, the whole point issue uh, with, with the Baratheons. Uh, so Justin, finally, getting to you. I know, saving the best for last year. What, uh, what's kind of your thoughts here about the Rose Knights? I don't know. Is there anything left to talk about? <laughs> there is. No, kidding, okay, though. so uh, one specific <laughs> thing. I, so I've always loved this unit. I think it's awesome. I love the idea behind it. This is how I like to play. It's not usually a way that works well. But this unit, Spencer kind of alluded to it, this unit's really good against new players and exceptionally bad against anyone who isn't a new player. Um, generally. Obviously, this is generally speaking. Uh, they can still do good if your opponent decides to think that they're going to get through them just by straight up attacking them or something or without like some kind of Hail Mary. But every time I've seen these guys on like a top table or against a veteran player who understands their value, they do nothing. They just, they do nothing. They get ignored or less Spencer said seven dice with nothing else just doesn't cut it. You're if anything, you're throwing a chaff unit into them just to keep them busy because you're not going to waste your time. Yeah. Most five-point units could, could take forever to kill this, or for them to kill. Or just Yeah, exactly. It'll take a turn or two or three, and if it takes three turns, then the game's definitely over if you've wasted your commander against, I don't know, cutthroats. That'd be embarrassing. <laughs> Sad, but probably mathematically how it goes. <laughs> yeah, totally. I agree. Um, and so, yeah, this... This unit just, it doesn't realistically in my eyes, which is sad. It's definitely one of my favorite units of the game. And aesthetically, obviously, I pretty much like everything in the Baratheon Army aesthetically. Not the biggest fan of the Relors Faithful um, aesthetically. But, yeah, Rose Knights, I don't know. Like, they can't really push this. The, the theme of them just isn't something that's going to work with a veteran player. That's that's just that's the gist of it. Yeah, and, and they definitely have a difficult spot for sure. I think the only, like, for sure amazing, like, combo, in my opinion, is Loris in them, just giving that Deadly Bloom back for free, and now you have Expert Duelist. Now, you know, they're super scary in that regard. Um you know, for any unit that has an attachment in them. Uh, you know, otherwise, it is kind of, you know, you ask yourself, you know, you really want to put an attachment in them, and if you do, then just stagnates. So, um, yeah, it's int it, it'll be interesting to see if these guys get changed, um, but I don't think they will. Uh, uh, I next still want to point out again, Elden, for battle endurance on them, is actually really darn good, too. And it makes them offensive. 
it doesn't fix their problem nearly as much. Oh, you mean it's no. hard metal endurance? But it's yeah, their problem is they're, they're just they're not doing good against what they need to do good against. They can hold the line well, though. I'll give them that. Just like everything in the breath. Just like a warden unit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So next up, we're going to get to the Rulor units. We got Queensmen, Kingsmen, Lightbringers, and the Faithful. I'm going to start with the kind of, I would say, the um, mainstay for the the uh, Rulor faction, or the Rulor sub-faction. We get the Rulor Faithful, now six points. They're a five move. Uh, they hit on fours with seven, six, four. A five of defense, four morale. And then they have this huge ability that takes up the whole other side of the card, which is uh, um, hearts, uh, Heart of Fire, their faith uh, token um, uh, ability. This unit begins the game with one faith token. Each time it passes a morale test, it gains one faith token. Faith tokens may be expended to do the following. When an enemy engaged with this unit performs an attack uh, before resolving that attack, for each of this unit's destroyed ranks, the attacker suffers three hits. When this unit performs uh, a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains precision and vicious. And then... Uh, the last uh, ability you can choose from is when this unit is destroyed, one other reward unit in long range may perform one attack action. So um, I love these guys. I think uh, for, you know, I like that they went down to six points. At seven points, it was hard to really justify them uh, a lot because, uh, you know, seven points, you know, it's a lot, a lot to invest, especially if you want to run, like, all reward units. Uh, I was happy to kind of see these guys come down. To be totally honest, though, I would love to see these guys come down even further to five points. I would just love for uh, the reward faction to have, you know, a, a cheap five-point unit. Um, you know, you'd probably have to change some of their profiles because I think they'd be way too good at six points. Um or sorry, at five points as is, but uh, but still, you know, I I do love the direction they went in with the six points. Now at six points, do I think they're amazing? Uh, no, I I think they're just good. I think they serve their purpose, um, especially when you can combo in with uh, that free attack when they die. Um, usually, like a, a lightbringer unit to get a ranged attack is really nice. Um, these guys, uh, you know, definitely, I think, uh, got way better. Um, with that said, uh, Justin, we'll jump over to you first for this one. Uh, what do you think about these guys? Uh, I thought it was really interesting that they dropped down to six points. Uh, it gives them kind of a unique situation for the Baratheons. Their only other – wait, is are the Lightbringers six points? I don't remember. Well, anyways, as far as, like, battle line stuff goes – um, it's their only other six point besides Sentinel. And while Sentinels are pretty good, uh, they, they've always had this mm, grudging spot for a lot in the community where there's so many times that they just die before they do anything. Um, and that's not, it, it changed a little, but overall it's not changing terribly too much. Um, these guys are kind of scary in the regard that they're six points too. They only hit on fours, but if you make the mistake when they're down to one rank and have a heart 
of attacking them, you could suffer so much. Six hits before you attack is crazy and can be devastating. Um, as far as their attack goes with the other heart piece, I don't – it's it's good, I guess. I mean, it's kind of hard to balance a six-point unit, I think, right now. Five-point units, we generally assume that they're going to hit on fours. Seven-point units, we generally assume they're going to hit on threes now. Six-point unit, don't really know what they should be doing because hitting on fours can be kind of rough, but when you hit on fours with precision of vicious, it's a little better. But if you don't have a bunch of hearts or fate tokens, then it could be a problem because you definitely want to hold out a token for the destroyed ranks hits because that's also kind of defensive in two ways. It could take ranks off your enemy, but also it's kind of a deterrent. Oh, no, I don't want to attack this perfectly good to attack unit because I'm going to hit myself six times. It's going to be terribly, terrible, terrible. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's going to be terribly. Um, and having four morale also aids in their defensive nature. So I think I think at six points, they're, I like them a lot at six points. I think they fit probably a good role. It's just going to be interesting how they get used. I think it's definitely something that you have to really look at who you're using to make them most effective. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, like like you kind of said, you know, they are great at six points with their stats. Only reason I suggest five points is, like, uh, I just, it'd be nice to have, like, a cheap five-point R'hllor unit that you can kind of help afford, uh, to fit in all R'hllor units since, you know, this one's six, but then you have three more that are all seven. Uh, and so it gets really, or sorry, three. Um, I'm counting the Kingsmen. They're not R'hllor. But the other two R'hllor units, the Queensmen and the Bringers, both being seven points, it's hard to get a lot of that all in there and still have, like, let's say five combat units on the field. Um, and all be R'hllor. I'd also, you know, as we'll notice as we go over the other ones, uh, I would have liked to have seen uh, both of the other R'hllor units have the R'hllor, um, like, token, like the faith token, whatever you want to call it, um, mechanic, the same way that, uh, you know, the Poor Fellows and the Warrior Sons both have their faith token mechanic. It would have been nice to see something else because um, unless we see some, uh, something in the future for Rolor, uh, this is the only unit that even uses this token. Um, and I don't know, it it just seems kind of, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It just seems weird that you have the Rolor faithful with a fort morale and this faith-like mechanic token and then you have these other two reward units, both with only six up morales and no, like, faith token mechanic. Uh, so uh, I just personally would have liked to have seen maybe the Queensmen and the, uh, you know, the Lightbringers, I'm fine at a six up. I mean, they're a ranged unit. I, I don't like seeing ranged units with anything better than that. Um and then the ruler queensman maybe be a five up, you know, still something really great. And then I don't know, give them both like a faith mechanic thing, or even just uh, you know, maybe not even the lightbringers, because I know technically you could shoot into combat, triggering you know the morale test on the 
faithful to give them a faith token so that can kind of be the synergy there but at least like the queensmen it have been kind of cool to see them have a faith token ability um but with that said uh, we'll jump over to you uh spencer what do you think about the the faithful here so if you haven't noticed david likes to jump to other units before their time anyway um <laughs> i like these guys at six points uh, at seven points, I struggled to make them into lists because I felt they were just clearly overcosted as a seven-point unit. Now, as a six-point unit, I feel like they're properly costed. Uh, I like what they do. Um, unlike Justin, I actually like the attack bonus for one reason and one reason only. There is a ton of auto-blocking things in this game now. Auto-blocking hits. I roll one six and I don't care anymore. I'm punching through your auto block and you are taking a vicious panic test. And that is a big deal to me on a six point unit. Um, th- their other abilities are nice. The six hits when I'm on last rank before you attack me has thrown off opponents before. N- not just because like, oh, they didn't know it was coming, but it's more like they're down to one rank. Do they really want to take six hits before they even attack me? It It can definitely change some momentum and if it's within long range of another lore unit when it dies they get a free attack all good things this this is a good six point unit uh i actually hate them at right now because i'm painting them and i hate painting them uh i'm painting my second second unit of them because i feel most of my list if i'm running any relore there's probably two of these in a list they're, they're very good. They're a good battle line unit. They can soak up punches pretty good with that six or that four up morale. Yeah, the five up armor saves means they, they often take a lot of damage in the attack, but I'm not taking panic damage. And they're one of the few units that we have as Baratheons in general that have good morale and 12 wounds that your opponent has to go through. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, that Fort Morale, uh, I'll keep mentioning it because, you know, I played uh, in 1.6, you know, Berserkers, Berserkers, Berserkers. And that's in 1.6, that's what they had. They had a 5-up, 4-up. And people really forget how much the morale can add to the defensiveness of a unit. So a 5-up, 4-up, in my opinion, is like right there, like midline you know, middle of the road uh, defensiveness overall. You might be taking a little extra on those defensive, uh, you know, atta- on your on the attacks for the defense, but you're almost never failing that morale. And so uh, in the grand scheme, you know, this five up, four up is just as survivable as like a four up, six up, in my opinion. So um, it's definitely something not to take for granted. And, uh, you know, seven, six uh, in... Um, for a six-point unit, having seven-six is nice, you know, for the attack. I think that's about average, but uh, it does hurt that they went to a four-up to hit. But um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it'd be nice, you know. You can always have like ours as the fury uh, to give that plus one, and if you're running some kingsmen <clears throat> to uh, keep getting it back, uh, you can, you know, you can always do it that way too. Uh, which uh, will kind of segue right into the Kingsmen. So they are a seven-point unit. They are not R'hllor. You know, I know a lot of people kind of get them a little confused because there's 
role or queensman. Uh, but yeah, the Kingsman, um, seven point unit. They're in five move, a three up to hit with seven six four, and a four up defense, six up morale. They have the order King's Blade. After this unit is attacked, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one hours of the Fury card and add it to your hand. Shuffle your tactics deck. And another order to the last. When this unit would be destroyed, this unit performs one morale test. On a success, it is not destroyed but remains in play with one wound, then becomes panicked and vulnerable. And then uh, the ability Great Sword, uh, which gives Sundering. So, um, these guys are pretty cool. Uh, I love running uh, them with uh, Andrew uh, Commander, just because Andrew is having both the crown and the the letter, um, allowing you to trigger all three effects on ours as the Fury when you're targeting his unit. Um, so to clarify, Andrew lets you count for both those zones for any time you target his unit with an effect. Um, anyways, so... With that said, you know, he combos super well, and it makes sense. He's the, you know, first of the Kingsmen. Um, but one thing we'll kind of talk about with here and over Queensmen next is uh, my kind of problem with To the Last. So I know it's a cool ability. It's cool in theory and in theme, but the fact that you have to take a morale test on a six morale unit, so even then if you pass... If you died from the attack dice, you then have to take your panic test because uh, um, this was uh, brought up a long time ago with It Shall Not End Until My Death, uh, Jon Snow's uh, 1.6 card, that if you get hit and you die from the attack dice, then you play your card and live, you still have to continue with the order of the attack, which the next step would then to be take your panic test. So you could then still pay, fail your panic test and then die. And then now that the fact that you are panicked and you're only a six-up morale means that the order to the last is very, very rare that it's ever going to go off. And with that said, because it's an ability that's just kind of there for, I guess, like fluff, um, you know, it kind of takes away the fact that these guys are, I don't think, a seven-point unit for that reason. It's way too easy, in my opinion. I, I think out of all of Minus Spencer's games, he's only ever, it's only ever worked once, where like after everything was said and done, they actually lived, and then they just proceeded then die to the next time they got attacked. Um, now, if it was just simply an order where you didn't have to uh, perform morale test and you just simply did the order and auto-lived with one wound and then became panicked and vulnerable, that'd be fine. I mean, attacking something twice in a round, they have one wound and they're panicked and vulnerable. Uh, I mean, one more attack should just immediately auto-kill them. Uh, you know, they, they're only a four-up save. So um, I could easily see this just being, you know, straight up, you know, when you're destroyed, survive with one wound. You know, to just take that morale test part out of there. But, like I said, overall, I would just, I'd rather see the ability taken away on both units and replaced with something else. Um, I just, I personally don't like to the last on um, any unit. Uh, that's 
That's with uh, Great John Umber for Starks and for Corrin Halfhand for Nightwatch. I just would like to kind of see the ability uh, not be a thing because it's it's too um, situational. Uh, there's too many times where it just never ends up doing anything, or it I don't know. It, I guess it's more so one of those kind of feel bads. Like either it doesn't work, and then you're like, why in the why in the world do I have this ability? Or it works, and you know it it really just kind of you know throws such a big wrench into the plans of your opponent that now, you know, now the game, you know, they're unhappy because the entirety of the game could be changed at that point just because of that one thing. Uh, but with that said, um, you know, overall, I think if this was just re- replaced to something else, these guys are great. Um, you know, I, I love their models. I think they're among some of the best uh, models in the game. Uh, I absolutely love most of their poses and uh, and the way they look. Um, Justin, we'll jump over to you first. Uh, what do you think about these guys? Uh, so I can totally agree that both them and Queensman are gorgeous. Man, they really like go an extra mile on these Baratheon units. I love it. Uh, I wish I played Baratheons more, but I can't get away from neutrals. I can't do it. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is a unit that... <laughs> Looks really good on paper because that's to the last, like, in your head, you're like, oh, man, how many times has John screwed me? I'm going to do it, too. And it doesn't really work. And their point cost, like, they've got they got a decent attack profile, you know, like seven dice hitting on three thunder. That's cool for, for defense. Nothing to complain about. But at seven points, they're, they're going to lose half their dudes in the first attack. Luckily, they only lose one attack. Um I mean, if you're lucky, I suppose. But getting um, as of the Fury is very nice, but also isn't like nice enough to really justify their point value, I think. So I don't know. I know I've heard Spencer talk about it to me. I've never had the opportunity to play them on the table. Um, I feel like... I don't know. There seems to be a few units that don't work well with how the game's designed, and this is probably one of them. They just they lose too much when they get attacked, and then they're worth half their value, and Baratheons are a slow faction. More often than not, they're not going to get the first attack in. That can be a real hindrance. So I what, do you, <laughs> what do you think about these guys? So, I've been playing these guys a lot lately, actually. Um, they are complicated. Uh, as David pointed out, to the last is actually very hard to pull off uh, in-game. Uh, I've had very little success with to the last itself. That being said, lately I've actually been having a lot of success with these guys. Uh, what I do, or the, the things I've done to kind of change the mindset that I had, because originally I was just like David, and and Justin, where I'm like, this unit is not a seven-point unit. My mindset's been changing on them lately the more and more I play with them. And the reason for it is kind of twofold. One, I don't even care about to the last. I really don't. I don't even, I almost act like I don't even have it. I will still attempt it when the time, when a unit dies, but I don't count on it. I'm, I'm not counting on it. I, it's too unreliable. What I have done, though, is I've been a little more careful with them and kind of being more uh, selective with what they're going to fight in deployment phase. 
and with my maneuvering and, you know, movements to kind of make it where you go, well, of course they should win. They're, they're facing sworn swords or something. Yeah, but they can chew through sworn swords pretty quickly and then move on and double team with another unit against something else. Uh, get flank charges, that type of stuff. And I've, I've used them to pretty good success. The second thing I did that kind of changed my mindset originally. So I, what I did is I, I'm running two at a time now. I run two in a list. So when I ran only one, I ran into the problem of my opponent would be able to target them and they would go all in on them in one turn. So it's like, great. They died. Like Justin pointed out, they don't have great defense. Not really. A four up, six up is just average. Uh, they would die basically in one round of the turn. It's like, congratulations, I got one R's of the Fury for this unit. With two, though, you can still blow away one of my units, but you're probably out of position, and the other unit is still around. And it has made a large difference to be like, you still have to deal with a second unit of these. Is it seven points worth? I don't know. I mean, that's 14 points of my army that I've invested in two of these but i've also had it where that second unit lives around and i've won games because a late ours of the fury has been pulled from my discard pile and that ours of the fury has given me the win in a game uh it's happened more than once just two seems to kind of be in my opinion their sweet spot you it's a heavy points investment but it has made them worth their points by doing so of I get one R's of the Fury probably from the first one before it dies. Sometimes I'll get a second one before they die. Uh, and if my opponent doesn't is wary of the second one, because I normally keep them close to each other, if my opponent is wary of the second one getting like a flank charge on their unit, I might not even die. The first one might not even die. And then they linger around and just keep pulling me R's of the Fury. And them on two ranks with R's of the Fury is still kind of a dangerous unit. And that's just how I've been able to get success out of them. And that's just how I'm using them now. I don't even count that they have to the last because I, I can't rely on it. Yeah, which, you know, it's probably the best, you know, best way to go about it, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. Like I said, you know, the the ability is so kind of out there of, you know, usefulness. And I understand, you know, it, you know, trying to make it more like thematic, you know, but I don't know. I I'd rather just see it change to something else uh, entirely. Uh, but yeah, it's and then you gotta you know ask yourself you know six point sentinel unit. I believe all of their stats are identical in every way, other than the fact that the Kingsman hit on threes, and then you're trading essentially King's Blade. Uh, and, you know, if you want to count to the last for uh, the Sentinel order. Now, straight up, you know, that one point is probably well worth it. Uh, but, like you were saying, running two units, I almost feel like I would rather run one and one. You know, and then if you put the Sentinels near the King's Guard and they try to come in on the King's Guard, you can get that free maneuver into position for a flank on whatever charge the Kingsman. Um, but... I don't know. Um, I think if you don't uh, mind me jumping in again, yeah. In my list, I have been running a Sentinel as well. That kind of stays near them. So it's like if you fight, try to take on my first Kingsman, you're probably actually dealing with my second Kingsman and a Sentinel unit at the same time. Gotcha. And then my other okay, two yeah. units, I think, in the list are Wardens. So it's like you're 
do you want to go fight wardens, which are pretty durable, or do you and let my kingsmen go and kind of do what they're actually supposed to do, or do you want to deal with those three units all at the same time? Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Um, and then you run what lieutenants in the wardens, so you can have sundering on the whole army. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess that that definitely would be nice then uh, if you still have the sentinels in there if you're running both kingsmen. Um, but sentinels, uh, you know, again, a unit we're not really going to be talking about uh, in depth, but they're definitely a great utility unit. Um, for the Baratheons to kind of help out with with those scenarios. I can't tell you how useful having that sentinel in that sentinel order on the sentinels in there is to uh, protecting certain units. Um, you kind of have to like out activate the kings or the Baratheon player in order to hopefully get around uh, that sentinel order. Uh, jumping over to Rolor Queensman. Uh, also seven points. This unit, though, is a roller unit. Moving at a four, hitting on three with a seven, five, four. Three up defense, six up morale. They have the order to the last. Uh, again, kind of the same uh, same thoughts on that as with the Kingsman. And then they have the Queen's Blade. When a friendly roller unit in short range is attacked before rolling attack dice, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one Baratheon Conviction or one Baratheon Justice card and add it to your hand. Shuffle your tactics deck. So these guys are okay. Um, I mean, they kind of, again, fall into the same same thing that the Rose Knights do, that, uh, you know, you're competing with Wardens for two points more. Uh, and, you know, getting that Tactus card draw is nice, but, you know, you have to be within short of another reward unit to be doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, the attack profile, 754, that's kind of the same scenario um, as the Rose Knights. You, you take off a rank and, you know, you may be hitting on threes, but five dice, I mean, you're, you're not going to be poking much damage. These guys don't have a keyword. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, these guys I find harder to justify, in my opinion, than Rose Knights. Um, What's your thoughts, Spencer? We'll go to you first. So I've had struggles with this unit as well, and I haven't found a solution like I have with Kingsman. Um, again, I can't rely on to the last. It, it is still on a six morale unit. Uh, as you alluded to already, I thought that this was a, a prime unit to make a second uh, faith unit for Relore. Um They didn't. Simon didn't go with that. Uh it's really hard to determine this unit's worth, honestly, because I've had games where I only have one unit of this, and it pulls four cards throughout the game. That's actually pretty solid. The problem is both Baratheon Conviction and Baratheon Justice, I feel like their best ability of those cards is locked behind a zone. Don't have that zone, the card's just okay at best. Um it, it as you kind of alluded to, it's hard to get value out of this unit. Uh, I have tried putting like Axel in them to make them a Axel commander to give them a four up morale because I feel like that would help. But I'm not still not really doing any damage, which is a problem then because now it's a command bunker unit as well. That's seven points. Uh, David and I have discussed before. 
I feel like six points or less is kind of like the perfect spot for a command bunker. Uh, if you're seven points or more, you kind of want it out attacking things and trying to do some damage for your army. Uh, this still kind of can do it with its Queen's Blade. You can, if you're sitting on an objective, but still within short range of one or two other Relore units, uh, it still can. It's just not as easy to judge. And its attack profile, once it loses the top rank, it isn't that good. Five dice hitting on threes is just meh with no keywords. Um, I, I, I want to do more testing with this unit before I kind of be like, oh, it's a bad unit. I don't know if it's bad. I just haven't played with it a whole lot, so it's kind of hard for me to determine. But with Till the Last being so difficult to pull off in-game, it might come out still as a it's it's not worth it. So it's it's hard for me to judge. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. Um, and uh, again, another thing I'm going to uh, bring up is the fact that these models look amazing. In my opinion, of you know the comparison between them, wardens and rose knights, they're my favorite of the three. Uh, they're just. I love their shields. I just, I love their armor. I think they're amazing models. Um, Justin, what do you think about the Queensman? Um, hmm. So besides what you guys said, it needs to, at least we pointed out that they are Relore. So that's a small advantage there, depending on what you're doing. Um, and then comparing them to Kingsmen, which is probably the closest comparison for the Baratheons, because obvious reasons. Um, the, the biggest dip, like, it seems they trade getting a really good card for getting the Relore keyword. Like, those are the two biggest changes between the two. Uh, because and the Sundering. Well, yeah, yeah, and Sundering. So this guy, like, I was going to say, these guys have, like, the same attack profile, just minus Sundering. But they do get that plus one defense, and a three-up goes a long way compared to a four-up. Just like a two-up goes even longer compared to a three-up, as I said earlier. Um, mm -hmm. But Spencer has a very good point, a seven-point unit. Maybe that's why Rose Knights don't feel like they really like fit a good role. It's because a seven-point unit, you want out there murdering something or everything if you're playing Bastard Girls. Uh, <laughs> and these guys aren't going to be murdering everything. They're not even going to catch anything. And when they do, they're going to hit them with seven dice on threes and nothing else. They can definitely hold the line better than they seem because of justice and conviction. But, well, I guess conviction is mostly just afterwards, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think with testing, they'll probably be okay. I don't, I don't think looking at them that they're necessarily a bad unit at all. I think they're going to fill a good spot, but you're going to have to find that spot. And you may not want to. So we'll see. Yep. And as we kind of discussed, you know, you can't, if it feels hard to even justify putting anything in them if it's not a commander. It's like we we're saying, there's seven points, you put any uh, attachment in there, and now you're asking yourself, stagnites? You know, because obviously stagnites are ridiculously good at eight points. So, I mean, I know. Stagnites aren't relore, so you might not you might be going away from that relore theme. But, um, but yeah, I mean the 
you at least then are upgrading your morale, you know, from a six to a five with the stagnites, and you can always try to make the stagnites relore in some other way. Uh, so I don't know. I like Spencer said. I think it's uh, you know, for us anyways, need a little more testing to kind of give a final solid answer for these uh, guys. But um, I think these guys they're also, definitely. Uh, they also it should be noted that they do lose two dice at. Uh, two ranks, which is that actually comparing to lack of sundering and that compared to Kingsman and uh, Ours of the Fury, they I think it's only they, one die. No, it's seven five four. Yeah, I got it. So, and the other one's seven six four. Yeah, so I'm saying these guys lose two, the other ones lose one. So it's a significant difference in like losing one dice when you lose a rank you're still hitting at most of your punching power. Losing two dice, which is normal, is Oh, I see what you're saying. You, you feel the difference, and you see the difference. So these guys do have a lot less offensive power than Kingsmen with only the plus one save to make up for it. Yeah, and the minus one move, you know, is a big deal. Um, yep. but yeah, when you said minus two dice, I thought you were saying from from second rank to second rank, not from when they drop. Uh, second they rank like to second cross. rank? You don't lose anything. No, I mean from the Kingsmen to yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Queensmen. <laughs> but yeah, um, I agree. I think uh, Kingsmen are, in my opinion, the easy pick. But if you're running Rolore, then you might really want that Rolore keyword. So, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess it gives you more... Uh, uh, options for your uh, when your faithful die to get some attacks, but you know if you're down if your faithful die, you're more than likely down to like two ranks with your queensman. And if you're down to two ranks, is a free attack with five dice really like all that amazing? Uh, I don't know, but um, yeah, maybe uh, it'd be kind of cool if maybe instead of like to the last, they had like intimidating presence or something. I don't know, some something cool like that, especially if you're like shooting into combat with your light bringers and you know, you can do some extra damage that way. But I don't know. Like I said, we'll have to do more testing with the Queensman. Um I'm gonna jump over to the last unit we have to talk about, which is the Rulor Lightbringers for seven points. Uh they are a ranged unit with a five move. They have a ranged attack hitting on threes with seven, six, four for long range. Their melee attack is a five up with five, four, three. Their defense is a four and the morale is a six. Uh oddly enough, uh, you know, not the most defensive unit uh ranged unit in the game. <laughs> you know, when you compare uh Night's Watch. But uh I mean I guess they do have I think one better save than the crossbowmen, uh Night's Watch crossbowmen, but they have one worse morale. Um but they have the the fire arrows um special rule for the ranged attack only, which gives them vicious. And if the defender fails their panic test, target one other enemy in short range of that unit. They suffer one panic test with a minus two to their roll. Short range. Hmm. I thought I remember that being uh long range. Oh well. Um but uh let's see. So Overall, I think these guys are great. Um, it's just un the only thing is I really wish they were six points so that you could run more of them because they're so cool and for no other reason. Like, <laughs> um, you know, these guys are just awesome. They're 
by far my favorite ranged unit, uh, like the way they look in the game. Uh, like, hands down, not even close. These guys are amazing looking. Um, you know, it just goes to the, lend to the fact that the Baratheon faction have, like, some of the absolute best models in the game. You know, I mean, I know that's kind of, uh, subjective, but, um, that's just, uh, kind of my take on that. Um, these guys can be amazing. As I was saying, you know, shooting to a unit that some, uh, R'hllor, uh, faithful are in and give them some more, uh, tokens so that they can get more of their effects off, especially because you, you, you always want to make sure you have that one last token at least for when they die to trigger a free attack to someone. Um, so, and then that, you know, that test at minus two that bounces within short is nothing to sneeze at. You know, I've, I've seen it go off plenty of times. I've seen that go off more often than I've seen uh, spread fear go off. Um, so, yeah, these guys I think are amazing. Uh, they're definitely a great value at seven points. Um, Justin, we'll go with you first with these guys. What What are your thoughts? Mm, I mean, they're pretty simple unit. You shoot people with yep. fire arrows. They're spooky. <laughs> uh, they've got a great profile. Um, they're a four-up save is strange on a range unit, and it'll probably help them plenty against other range units. Their morale's fine. You got seven dice hitting on three of the vicious, and then that extra panic test. These guys would be oppressive at six points. <laughs> they would. No, yeah, they'd have to get weaker. <laughs> they would literally rain hell. <laughs> um, and I know that was an initial concern for these guys, so I, I think they're probably pretty balanced. you got to be careful building with them, though, because if you put two of these in your army, if you're a person like that, you are... I'm guessing it's going to be a bad day for you. Like, because 14 of your points are <laughs> sitting in the back hoping that nothing gets to them, but everything's going to get to them. <laughs> uh, just because so much of your, your line is now range units. And once they get engaged, I mean, there's, it's still a range unit. Once you're engaged, you, you're done, you know. Um, except those really unlucky moments that I've had with range units. But I'm, I'm different. Don't ever base things off what happens to me. Not a smart <laughs> idea. These guys are good. I like them. Uh, I think when I first saw them a long time ago, I was really worried. But no, looking at this at seven points, I'm totally okay with this unit. Even the short range thing, I think makes is is smart. I think it's good. It's a regular panic test of minus two, so neither player is feeling like they got the short end of that stick. The the attacking player is like, sweet, I did a couple more wounds, and the other player is like, okay, I took like you know two more wounds. I can I can take it, but it's still a good ability. What about you, Spencer? What do you think? Uh, so two things. One, I've actually been playing it that the spread thing is long range because I thought it was long range. So that's a reveal for me. Cheater. They're not as good as I thought they were. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought as a seven-point unit it was a long range, and I didn't even notice that they're short. Uh, so, yeah, they spread fear to short range. Good to know for me. Um, that being said... Even when I played them with long range, they're actually very complicated. Uh, in theory, I see awesome. Just this this unit can compete with the Night's Watch crossbows for damage and stuff. They just do it differently. 
in actuality, I have had struggles with them. Uh, the reason being is panic is not guaranteed. Uh, Sundering is actually a bankable ability when you compare them to, to some, you know, the cro- other crossbows or some such. Uh, I know they aren't a crossbow, but I'm still just bringing it up. Uh, Thundering is bankable. Vicious is not. I've had, I've shot at Greyjoys that are not in an Asha bubble, and they make their nine morale, and they just, it, it almost feels bad to me that I'm like, great, I didn't really get to, this this unit I'm paying for seven points for isn't doing what it's supposed to do. If your opponent's rolling hot on panic test or brings a panic list that kind of mitigates panic, you know, maybe they have unyieldings and iron resolves or their army is five up morale or better across the board. These guys don't do a whole lot at that point anymore. Um, They kind of need the panic damage. And that's where I've found them to be inconsistent. Uh, There are games where I've seen, where I've had them wreck an enemy's day, uh, my opponent's day. They, they do their job. They're spreading panic. Like I said, I thought it was long range. Unfortunately, I've been cheating with them. But <laughs> but it, first, yeah, it was it, an honest mistake. And two, <laughs> it, it, it has ruined opponent's day. But I've also had games, like I just said, where I'm playing Greyjoys that don't have Asha bubble, you know, maybe a different commander, and just my opponent is rolling hot and not failing panics. Uh I've found them to be inconsistent. That being said, they're still yeah. in pretty much every single standard list I have. I have it as a one of. I think, uh, and not only that, but they're an obvious choice usually for an early, like, weekend token, um, which is nice. You know, you do have uh, whatever that card is, the, the one that gets rid of uh, Stag's Stag wit. wit or something. Yeah, that'll get rid of that token if you need it. But um, if you don't, I mean, I know there's been plenty of games where, you know, I throw a weekend on you and then what you were saying, you know, not only what you were saying happens where I passed my morale, but I made you, you know, have to reroll and now you're down to like like two hits. And it's like, okay, I failed one. Okay, you at least procced that panic test and then, okay, I just I passed it. So now you don't get that extra damage from the panic because you're vicious keyword. And then you're also not bouncing that uh that panic test onto someone else at minus two so but i unfortunately i think that's kind of the game with when you when you run like a, a panic focused uh faction like the ruler theme or even so, just lannisters i would jump in and say i agree except for the fact that most of the other factions like lannisters or free folk like, they have cards that will boost it to where it's like, okay, it's minus five. Good luck passing that morale now. You are going to take this damage. I, uh, and that's why I was kind of suggesting with the Queensman. Huh? Yeah, that's why I was no, kind of suggesting I'm just saying, like, Queensman. Yeah. As is, intimidating though, presence. as is, we have one way of getting intimidating presence, and that's with Axel. And Axel's NCU can also boost panic damage, but it can't boost the panic test. Um, so it's like, you're only at minus two. I, I don't get that. Hey, you got to take a test at minus five and plus, th- you know, D three plus three damage. You know, we're, we're not, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, the Lannisters definitely, you know, have a lot easier of a time than any other faction that wants to go, f- uh, panic based, uh, and, 
the Relore faction, sub-faction, really needs to play around with that. And even when they do, it, it's definitely nowhere near as optimized as the Lannisters. Um, you know, you, you would have to do whatever you could, you know, like you were saying, run uh, Axel for the intimidating presence, and then maybe run a, a unit of Flademen for their intimidating presence. Um, and just, you know, you really would have to invest a lot to try to get that. And then the more you invest into a lot of that, like, flayed men, now you're running less R'hllor units. It's just, yeah, I, like I was saying, Queensmen with intimidating presence would be amazing. Um, you know, uh, or even, I don't know, give uh, intimidating presence to, like, Faithful or something. I don't know. Or just come out with a whole other uh, R'hllor unit and they have intimidating. Just something that, like you were saying, help compound that uh, that panic to help make sure that it fails. Um, with that said, I think we can kind of jump over to a couple NCUs before we end the show. Uh, try to squeak some in there that way to lighten the load a little bit for the for the next show. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about uh, Melisandre, um, the Red Woman. She has sacrifices to the Lord of the Light. She's an influence. Uh, when she claims his own, attach this card to a combat unit until the end of the round. When Mel influences a friendly unit, you may have them suffer two wounds and one panic test. If you do, target one enemy combat unit. That enemy suffers one panic test with minus two to their roll and plus two wounds on failure. When influencing a friendly unit, that unit is a reward unit and its melee attacks gain vicious. Uh, she is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer, she's six points. Unfortunately. <laughs> so, I'm going to say it right now. I think uh, I think she'd be a really great purchase at five. Um, because, you know, you're dealing yourself too to, you know, when everything is said and done, uh, unless you have, like, intimidating presence affecting the unit, you're only uh, winning by D3. You know, you're you're taking two, they're taking two. You're both taking a panic test. So even, like, if you fail your panic test and they fail theirs, you could roll a three on yours, and then they roll a one on theirs, and you could take more damage than you actually deal. So I would almost say that I know they wanted her to be a six-point unit. They wanted more six-point units out there, but I just feel like this ability as is um, has a lot of potential. It has a lot of combos, a lot of cool things you can do with it. I think she's more in the category of five points, though, with with this. I do like that they toned it down um, from what it was. Uh, I know, what, only by one, and you no longer get to choose one through th- one through three. Um, but uh, I do like that they toned it down at least a little bit. Not only that, uh, you know, it essentially toned down by two now that Panic is only D3. So the fact that you can only ever take a max of five with her, and that's if you fail, as, you know, if, as either player, yours or hers, or sorry, yours or the enemy, um, it is nice that she gains the she gives the vicious out and the reward uh, keyword out. Um, definitely makes her, I think, like I said, five points. So she'd be spot on. But at six, I don't know. Uh, uh, Spencer, we'll go to you first. What do you think of Mel here? So, I think in my testing with her. I have consistently done more damage to myself with her 
than to my opponent. Uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate, and I really don't like that she causes a panic test on me because that opens up opportunities for my opponent to play with it. Hear me roar. The free folk, there's too many. Oh, the unit I want to put it on has is engaged with the unit with intimidating presence. I don't like that my opponent can play with it. And then yep. all the damage from her is hoping my opponent fails their panic test. Uh, it's it's very, again, another unit that's inconsistent, and it's six points. Uh, it's just, it's not, it's not optimal. We have only one unit. Oh, well, we have multiple, but Stagnites have a five up. The Faithful are the obvious choice at a four up. Dragonstone Noble, which I've mentioned before, this is a combo I have done where once per game, you basically put her on a Stagnite Noble and just let him go nuts then. Um, those are the only things that I have better than a six up morale in our army. That makes her somewhat inconsistent to not hurt me more than the two wounds. And that's not including my opponent doing their, you know, something to to make it worse. Uh, she she has problems. Uh, I don't like that she doesn't give a bonus, honestly, to if she is trying to influence a Relore unit. I would actually like to see that, where if she tries to influence a unit that was already Relore, it auto-passes a panic test or something, uh, just as an idea. Um Something like that to to give her a bonus if the unit already was Relore. Uh, well, I, yeah, you'd have to word it kind of funny because at the start of the, you'd word it as at the start of the turn if they were already if they were Relore. So this way, it's not before yeah. her; it's before her influence. Yeah, um, but so, something like that to make it where it's like okay, she can mitigate some of the problems. I hate to say it, but the other thing I would like to see if she's going to stay at six points is she auto-does two wounds. So it becomes, I take two wounds in a panic test, my opponent takes two wounds in a panic test at minus two, no additional damage, though. It's just, I'm guaranteed to trade two wounds from me to you. But I get to pick where they're coming from because it's my effect. I this is a six-point NCU a when strong, you look at though. stuff. Huh? Because I think that could be a little too strong because uh, you could snipe solos with it. Damn it. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just, it's very but frustrating sure when I even it. take two wounds and my opponent does nothing. And I, I, I'm like, I, I spent six points for this. Um, I would say maybe just, she can't target solos or something. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, but yeah, I, 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 I could I see, see something like that. I could see could something like that. Say like just, infantry it, or cavalry. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with something like that even. Uh, it's just, it's very frustrating when it's like, I took two wounds, my panic passed their panic test, and it's like, I took two wounds on a six-point NCU. And that was the end of the effect for this round. Um, but then you look at someone like Corrin and... <laughs> oh, yeah, and Vicious. Great. You do realize if I'm putting on a Relore unit, it already has probably Vicious, except for Queensman. Anyway. Um, it, it's just, it's frustrating. And when I look at the other six-point NCUs, I just go, those are game-changing six-point NCUs. This doesn't feel like one unless my opponent's failing lots of panic tests. And even then, like I said, uh, you're only trading D3, and that's that's if you don't fail yours. Um, yeah, so best like you're said, doing is you, three extra. 
That's not that. Yep. That's not a lot. That's never going to be game changing. That's throughout the whole game. Best case scenario, you got 18 points out of a or 18 wounds. 18 points. 18 wounds out of a six point NCU. Um, and that's, home- that's best. This is hoping you're not against, like, Greyjoys, who are just like, eh, I'll just heal that all back in one activation. We're good. I mean, anyone <laughs> can heal that all back in one activation with the board. Like, it's that's the most they're doing. Those three extra that you didn't take. Yeah, Pigeon holds you into using Mel onto the money or waiting to use her until someone has to take the... Mm-hmm. the the wealth zone but and then like you're saying spencer uh influencing the obvious choice is to influence her onto relore faithful but you give the keyword vicious and they're already going to be getting vicious and precision so um if you use one of their tokens now you could say okay you don't have to use a token now but then you also don't get that precision which as you mentioned is actually a pretty big deal to make that vicious go through so yeah i i'd say if you made her five points She's uh, probably way more fair. I wouldn't say she's like some auto take at five points. I just think she'd be a lot more justifiable. But yeah, I've, I've always kind of said this since uh, since kind of the beginning when we realized she was a problem in 1.6 is that I'd just rather see her be some big buff. You know, no no damage, uh, no panic, whatever, uh, on the enemy. Just literally, like, some straight-up, like, cool buff, kind of like the long night in the show where, you know, she turns, like, what, thousands of Dothraki swords into flaming swords. You know, if she can do something like that, then, you know, she, you know, she should just have some really awesome influence ability to buff someone um, and just just take away that whole... uh, um, you know, panic part. You could even, even you could even be like, okay, uh, it, while influencing a unit, they gain um, vicious, intimidating presence and um, and plus two to like stalwart. You know, that way, you know, now you're making your unit amazingly good with morale, while also amazingly good at minusing morale. Um, and make them a lower unit still. You know, if they weren't already one, but. I don't know. I feel like she still has a lot of work to be done, uh, especially for such like an iconic part of the R'hllor, uh fact, like sub faction. Um, what? Uh, what are? I know you, you kind of chimed in a little bit, uh, Justin. But what are your what are your overall thoughts of her? I think so. Before I hated going against her, except. Uh, if I knew I could kind of get things to mitigate her damage. Now, if she were five points. I wouldn't even, like, there would be no part of me that would be like, oh, no. I'd be like, all right, like, I can deal with this. <laughs> this is, this is, her ability is plenty manageable. It is, it is more than manageable. Uh, and it, it, in, I guess I'm going to say it a little more frankly, it in no way justifies six points at all, in my opinion. She's, like, she's not six points. I, I'm not going <laughs> to, she's not even close. D3 trade is, pathetic like like one wound is probably what i'd get out of her and that would (laughs) suck i'd be super annoyed um so i i don't see i see her being used such a small amount less so than like like uh jock in a car was in 1.6 and see you yeah and so 
to kind of uh, end it or end uh, before we go to one more NCU before ending the show, the, the last thing I want to mention about Mel is that she is definitely a step in the right direction, like compared to 1.6, like 1.6, she was so oppressive. She was so horrible to face. Um, you know, I, I expected to face her in tournaments, but in friendly games, you know, when I saw her, it just kind of made me mad. It's like she was just so oppressive. And this is definitely a step in the right direction. Like you said, Justin, it's way more manageable. It's definitely not a feels, usually not ever a feels bad for your opponent. Yeah, and it's like really I like just comes down to. Yeah, and it just comes down to whether or not it's a feels bad for the person that took her. Um, but like I said, if you want to just avoid the whole pr- the power problem with her, just make her some crazy cool influence that's all revolved around morale, both positive and negative. Then you don't even have to worry about the strength of, of this one-shotting panic stuff. Um, now, I understand wanting to have that ability to force a panic test, but when you when you think about it, um, really, it's just, uh, um, you know, for the most part, it's just the faithful that want to be getting panic tokens that way. But when you have Lightbringers, uh, you know, it's really not a problem. Like, is forcing a panic test for six points really even worth it? I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I would just rather change her to an influence with all those buffs and whatnot for the panic stuff and then the, still give the reward on a non-reward unit. Uh, and I think... Uh, and. I think she's golden, and she's way easier to balance at that point. You don't have to worry about the potential of her, you know, killing things all by herself. Um, with that said, we're going to jump over and talk about Olena last um, and uh, end the show there. Um, so we have Olena Tyrell. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer. She is five points? She's five. She is five. Okay, she has the ability Pooling Weeds. Each time Olena claims a zone, target one enemy NCU and choose one. That NCU claims all, or claims, that NCU loses all abilities until the end of the round. If that NCU, or you can choose, if that NCU claims a zone this round before resolving that zone's effect, target one enemy combat unit, they suffer D3 hits and become weakened. So, uh, way better than what she used to be, in my opinion. She, she's definitely a strong five-point unit uh, or five-point NCU, uh, and she's super, I th- in my opinion, versatile with uh, these two different options. Uh, Justin, I know you got to get going, so we'll we'll go over to you first uh, with your opinion about her. Yeah. So in 1.6, I thought she was fine, but I also felt like there were going to be situations where paying five points. For kind of nothing because you traded her ability for their ability, so really you're just paying five points to claim the zone at that point and making your opponent just claim a zone. And I do understand there were times where you're shutting off a more powerful NCU, so it was really cool. But there weren't really any more. There weren't any more powerful NCUs point-wise, so it didn't seem efficient to me. Um, but with that being said, I didn't think she was like terrible or nothing. I thought she had a, a good place. Now it's the exact same thing, but better. Uh, but it's it's not a the the extra part isn't something that's in like game changing, uh, and your opponent has the option to not let it happen. They cannot claim a zone. That's kind of wild and probably not going to happen. But it could be something important. Could be that all that's left is the crown, and you don't want to take a panic test, and they don't want to take D three hits, and become weakened. So boom, you're good to go. 
that worked out great for everybody. Uh, yeah, she's, I, I like her. I think she's really good this way. And with a lot of things going up to five, she also kind of slips into this normalized role. Yeah, and one thing I want to point out before I go to you, over to you, Spencer, is that I I think that she is going to be a key element in a lot of Baratheon's uh, competitive list because the ability to, uh, if you're going first that round, to uh, claim his own and then, let's say, target Tywin, NCU, and they lose all their abilities, and that is the round that they needed to reign to Castamere for the win, or Corrin Halfhand sacrifice himself to prevent a unit from doing its thing. I mean, she can be just as clutch, and she could be, you know, I would almost argue, because in my experience, most games, competitively, end turn five, or round five. So, you know, you could even do uh, go into the game with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to go first, ensuring that I go first round five, barring, you know, you don't have, like, uh, Walder in there or something, and, you know, really help ensure that you're going to be able to pull off this uh, this ability to stop this, you know, this key moment. Now, Tywin has a little more play because, um, you know, he he'll capitalize when he wants to capitalize, but you can really try to prevent that last round, you know, key thing from happening. Uh, especially, like I said, uh, like we were talking about with the Night's Watch episode is, you know, Corrin, even though he's six points, you just, you take advantage of his influence all game. And then just the last round or the last, the round that you know is going to be the last before the game ends, you just sacrifice it because now you've gotten his influence all game, and now you're trading your NCU only for one round's worth for their key unit that needs to do a, do something to win the game. Uh, but if you can plan it out just right where you're going to go first, you can Olena uh, onto a zone and turn them off so that they can't do that. Um, Spencer, what, what's your opinion of her? So I really like her. Uh, I definitely think because so many NCUs went up in cost, she has gained far more value. Uh, I do agree. I think you'll see her in at least one competitive list if you're specifically if you love Renly. Like she's the obvious choice to have at least in one list. My only concern is her second thing, the D3 hits and weaken. I honestly really wish it was just a flat three. I feel like for a five-point NCU, it kind of needed to be a little stronger for for that cost because it is only hits. It's like uh, my opponent is going to get saves against this. Um, or even just two, a flat two. Uh, I, I don't like that. It's like my five-point NCU did a weaken and one hit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> doesn't feel great because it's happened to me. Um, for for five points, or even I, like one for every rank they have, you know that something? way you can't just like snipe solos with it. Yeah, I, I can kind of agree with something like that. It's just it's like great my five point NCU. I, I you know maybe the NCU I would like to shut off activated first because they went first, and then it's like okay I'll do her other thing on the other NCU because why not. I've had literally had it do one hit in a weekend, and I'm like, that didn't feel like five points, but okay. <laughs> uh, I think she's good. 
I think you will see her in competitive play as the game as Baratheons stand right now. Yeah, I like I, you brought up a great point. You know, the fact that so many things now are five are five points or six points uh, for NCU's. Um, she'll be key, I think, in uh, you know at least one of the two lists in a, like a tournament format. Um, you know, there's going to be such strong NCU's that her, and then we'll talk about him in the next show. But Courtney. Uh, Penrose, you know, running both of them, you know, you just add so much level of control on the board uh, and with against your opponent's NCUs that um, it really, you know, kind of helps you control that aspect of the game. But uh, with that said, we're going to close out there. Um, didn't go as far as I would have liked. You know, there's still a handful of NCUs I would have loved to have gone through, but, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot to talk about with this faction really hoping that we don't have to do a fourth uh episode of this to get it all in but uh definitely do our best uh you know in the next episode to kind of get through a lot of the attachments because the goal for the next show is uh to finish up the ncus do the attachments and talk about two of the commanders um you know and we're going to talk about uh the non-starter box uh Renly and Stannis. Uh, I always forget. I think it's One True King and uh, Lord of the Stormlands or something. Lord Paramount of the Stormlands. Lord. Okay, yeah. Um, So, you know, I think, yeah, that's where we're going to end. I want to thank my co-hosts for coming on. Thank you so much, Justin and Spencer. You know, uh, definitely couldn't do this without you guys. you know, definitely nice to get some uh, other perspectives on on each topic. Um, but with that said, I want to make one last statement, and that's, uh, you know, uh, Lord Paramount of the Stormlands is not actually Renly. They might trick you and say it's Renly, but it's actually uh, Loris's brother. That's why he Garland. has his helmet on. Yep. So any of you guys that want to play that, version of Renly, you're admitting that Renly is dead. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Stannis rules. (laughs) With that said, I'm going to end the show there. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. All three of these are probably going to be a longer show. Like I said, I really want to try to get all of these uh, done in three. uh, And we definitely want to try to get all of the factions done before they come out and they're like, oh, we're changed everything. Before we even finish the series, because um, I know, um, you know, we definitely want to try to get o- uh, go through everything for those that are kind of newer, kind of getting back into 2021 finally with things opening up. And then, you know, if we're lucky, maybe Simon's listening in and, you know, I know they won't agree with most of what we say, but even if there's like one small thing that they hear and they're like, you know, hey, that's a that's a reasonable uh, change. You know, it's always worth a try. You know, and I, like I've always said, I appreciate Simon. I think they do an amazing job. Uh, you know, and you know, you're never going to get everything perfect right off the get go. And when things get released into the public, as Michael has mentioned on multiple occasions, uh, you know the community is going to be able to do way more testing than the testers ever could have. Uh, so it's, it's just inevitable, you know, uh, 
there's just, you know, they could get thousands of games in, but the moment that it's released to the public, you, you get like tens of thousands within like, you know, a, like a month or two uh, between everyone playing games. You know, me and Spencer, we, we get as much as like, I think our, we've gotten like 10 games in, in one week uh, just from playing like five games on Friday and then five games on Saturday. So if just between us, we're getting 10 games in one week, you imagine there's thousands of players across the world. So, I mean, um, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, Simon isn't perfect, but I, I, I know that they have uh, the best, uh, you know, in, you know, they're they're doing what they believe is best for the game because they definitely want to see it grow and flourish way more than I think anyone else wants to wants it to be that way because it's you know it's their baby. So uh, with that said, we're going to close it out. Thank again, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, stay tuned for the next show. I believe is next Tuesday because uh, this show was supposed to be on Sunday, but we had to reschedule. Uh, where we talk about part two. With that, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.